Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than saving a space at the Thanksgiving table for Baby Yoda. I'm Mitch, and joining Aww. me tonight is Matt. Are we doing that? And Tabitha. Baby Yoda kind of freaks me out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let me act surprised. <laughs> um, so, I've been a terrible Star Wars fan. I haven't even watched The Mandalorian. You guys haven't either? Nope. nope. Okay, cool. Like, I was I was talking about it with, uh, with my roommate yesterday, and... Uh, I was saying, like, man, you know, like, I kind of want to try to watch it before the show tonight just so I can, mm-hmm. you know, kind of be, you know, do whatever. But, yeah, clearly that didn't happen. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, we could watch it before we do that trivia thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, yeah. three weeks away. Which, speaking of, yeah, um, so Hy-Vee Market Grill, they're doing a uh, Star Wars trivia night on December 12th. Uh, we're actually going to try to be there yep. and lose you, you guys... We're trying the, to kick everybody's the, butt. The name of our show is based off of a Star Wars movie. We have to at least do okay at this. I mean, we're starting our Star Wars marathon rewatch on Friday. What's yep. the order? Tomorrow. <laughs> I will walk out here and burn it to the ground. <laughs> the angry messages I got back after that. <laughs> that almost lost his life. <laughs> so... If you like fighting over Star Wars movies, um, then be sure to uh, subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. Really like what you hear? Then throw us some scratch on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegeekawakenspodcasts. Podcasts? No, just the one. (laughs) It's been a day, guys. (laughs) Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. So, um, before we get started, I do want to point out one thing, um, just because it's something that will be at, uh, in February. So, LodgeCon is teaming with, uh, Extra Life Chicago during this year's convention. Uh, for each cosplayer that attends the show, LodgeCon will donate $10 to Extra Life, up to $500. Nice. Wow. Uh, there will also be a free, uh, cosplay contest, so come ready to win. Uh, Extra Life Chicago helps to raise funds and awareness for the Anne and Robert H. Lurie uh, Children's Hospital of Chicago, and uh, LodgeCon will be held February 8th through the 10th, 2020, in the Will County Fair Atrium in Piatone, Illinois. And if you ask me what I'm going to cosplay as, I don't know, because I don't have 2020 vision. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. but in all seriousness, though, <laughs> we uh, I know we're planning a cosplay for C2E2. Uh-huh. We shouldn't do that cosplay for LodgeCon. But we should do something for We Lodge should do Con. something. Yeah. We should do something. I support that. Yeah. So. We need not Seth to come up with our next plan. He's the only one who can ever come up with our cosplay plans. <laughs> like we were kind of talking, because we were talking with Pickett off air about a couple of things. You know, we're all just so too laid back mm-hmm. and noncommittal. And yeah. We really, this is where, I don't know if the failure lands on me since I kind of created this whole mess, but like I should have had somebody more aggressive on the show. I mean, I can do it if you want me to, but it's going to get ugly. (laughs) It is. I'm a little bit of a control freak. No. I know. (laughs) Surprising news. So. Anyway. Um. So the uh, nominations for the uh, Game Awards have been um, released, and uh, Death Stranding has earned the most nominations. Uh, the Game Awards are going to be December 12th in Los Angeles. 
The game collected nine nominations, including Game of the Year, Best Action Adventure Game, Best Game Direction, Best Art Direction, and Best Score. Oh, wow. wow. So, uh, the Game Awards began in 2014, and uh, last year the event was streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, a um, couple other things, um, in countries like t- uh, China, Taiwan, Korea, Germany, Japan, Brazil, Europe. Uh, this year, it's going to stream on more than 60 global platforms. Wow. Whoa. So, just to talk about a <clears throat> couple of the nominations, and um, so, like, with uh, Game of the Year, the nominees are Control, Death Stranding, uh, Resident Evil 2, um, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, is that... Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. Uh, for Action Game, it's Apex Legends, Astral Chain... Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, and Metro Exodus. Okay. Uh, esports Game of the Year. Uh, the nominees are Counter-Strike Global Offensive, DOTA 2, Fortnite, League of Legends, and Overwatch. And then for action-adventure game, uh, Borderlands 3, Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, uh, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, and then Shadows Die Twice. Nice. Shadows Die Twice was nominated twice. twice. Ah. So, uh, (laughs) um, other awards are also given for best independent game, best multiplayer game, content creator of the year, and separate awards for best esports coach, player, host, and event. Esports coach? Yeah. What's that? Something we're not getting paid to do that we probably should be. I mean, (laughs) it's a thing. There's there's an esports team in Springfield, a high school. Well, wasn't there somebody... Oh yeah, in I, in Chatham, that hired a, a Fortnite coach for their kid. Oh, in Chatham, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't even. <laughs> how much How much did they charge? No idea. No idea. Didn't mm-hmm. ask. You know, before before I go on off to, onto a huge tangent, um, <laughs> I actually initially had this uh, pegged for later in the show. But Matt, we you also have some Death Stranding news. I do. I do. Um, so. As is common in games anymore, there is, just like movies, there's product placement. Um, you're going to have big names that you, you sponsor the game and their products show up in the game. Um, Death Stranding has some of that, but they also have one particular sponsor, if you will, that's taken things to kind of an extreme. Monster Energy Drink is pretty much front and center for Death, uh, Death Stranding. The, the one article I was talking about was that uh, it's very awkward just because most of the game has very muted tones. And then you get the bright green logo of Monster Energy Drink. Mm. Right? Um, it, it's Sam is the main character. And there are cans of it sitting in the middle of his restroom where you spend time recovering from missions. Like, do, you know, do things to prepare for the next mission. Um, and... Even there's an there's an early or an early mission that requires Sam to chug a can of monster, and once he completes that task, apparently he does a little dance. <laughs> the water bottle or the water container that he carries around in the game is full of monster. It basically serves as an, a stamina boost throughout the game. Um, I, you know, like I said, there's other product placements. Um, there's a couple other companies that are in, like in Death Stranding as well. But it just seems, it, it, it's kind of, the internet has, has grasped onto this because 
it's so front and center, it's so blatant. Usually it's a little less forced, if you will, for these product placements. Um, and the other thing that makes it so stark is the fact that aside from a couple of other small companies that have put in, Monster is so front and center, and then the rest of the game, the world itself and brand names are basically non-existent. So it's just like night and day. Like you get Monster, and then the rest of the world that you're wandering through, no names, no companies, no branding, nothing. One of the one of the articles I read was talking about how they have tried to get responses from some of the companies on you know what made this happen, why this is a thing. They haven't really got an explanation, and there's no real explanation apparently in the story either on why that's a big thing. Because sometimes there'll be a product placement, but there will be like a plot point that goes along with it. Apparently, not the case in Death Stranding. The only thing to mention is that I guess we shouldn't be entirely surprised by it because. Kojima, the creator of Death Stranding, has been a fan of product placement basically his entire career. He's the one behind Metal Gear Solid. His character Snake appeared in commercials in Japan for an energy drink called Regain. Some of his games have also featured Triumph Motorcycles, iPods, Mountain Dew, Doritos. This just seems to have taken the whole product placement to a new level. And it's kind of caught some people off guard and a little shocking. Yeah. That's, it's like, at what point does product placement become a sponsor, you know? Yeah. Like, especially when it's like, oh, hey, this is, this hero is, has to chug a can of Monster. <laughs> right. I, I'm a fan of the not product placement product placement, <laughs> where it's like, the logo is similar enough, and mm-hmm. you know what it is, but it's not that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I haven't played it, so I don't know you exactly how much it pertains but it seems to be a pretty integral part of the game um sticking with games for just a little bit so you also have some info on uh maybe a new half-life game yes so valve has teased for years essentially that they will be putting out another half-life game um the last one half-life 2 came out in 2007 And almost three years ago, Valve announced that they were going to do three full-length VR games. As of this morning, they officially unveiled the first of those supposed three uh, full-length VR games. So on the 18th, they announced that they would debut this game. Today came the official announcement. It is called Half-Life Alex. Excuse me. It is going to be a full-length game. It's not going to be like an add-on or level pack or anything like that, Uh, but it is going to be built particularly for VR. They announced today with the, with their really, their unveiling, uh, it's going to be available as of March of next year. It's already available for pre-order on Steam. It's interesting because everybody kind of wanted a sequel, like a Half-Life 3 that would continue the story of Gordon Freeman, who is the protagonist. This looks like it's going to carry on with Alex, who was Freeman's closest ally. It's a little different look, different take. But if you are interested, um, through the Valve Twitter account, they linked a 20-minute video chat with the development team that kind of goes behind the scenes on 
the building of the game, why they chose this direction, all some of that information. Um, so everybody was looking for this. They finally got it. Now we'll wait and see if we actually get it in March and how it actually plays out. Because anything that's Valve and Half-Life has got a pretty high benchmark just based on the name. Even though this isn't a uh, like a true like a Half-Life 3 or mm-hmm. whatever. So like where does that rate on in terms of like for your personal excitement levels or whatever? I wish it, it I wish it ranked higher. Um, I played through the first Half-Life. I had the second one. I never got very far into it. They're fantastic games. They always had me interested. It just became a matter of finding time to play. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about Alex as a character. For me, I'm a little put off by the VR thing. Um, it's just not something that I get into have motion sickness so i don't know how well i would actually do with a vr game so if it was just a straight up you know, new full game for computer or you know console I, i'd be 100 percent in on it and i'd be you know lining up probably to get it day of release um, with vr i personally am probably going to wait and see how things fall you know what the response is at least initially nice so, um, moving on, Tabitha, you've got some information on a pretty important Kickstarter. So, the headline of this story was enough to just completely destroy my heart. Um, Rereads, which is a website that sells books to fund free reading material for children in need, lost most of its stock when the banks of the River Don burst in Doncaster, UK. Um, their CEO released a statement saying 10,000 of 12,000 of their texts were destroyed and 100,000 books marked for sale were damaged. Whoa. Last year alone, Reread gave away more than 3,500 books to schools, faith groups, and children's centers. So someone has set up a GoFundMe page um, to raise money to support Reread so they can purchase more books so they can then sell those to purchase more books. <laughs> um, as of 4.30 p.m. our time today, I checked and the GoFundMe had raised... 15,410 euros of their $20,000 goal. Okay. So they're getting closer. I think we're going to link the GoFundMe on our page. Um, Not the Kickstarter that I'm the idiot about, but (laughs) it is what it is. Um, The, uh, I think we're going to, like I said, I think we're going to link it on our page. Uh, if you donate to charities at the holidays, like this is a great idea. Like this was literally an act of God that destroyed like, Thousands, essentially thousands of dollars for these people to provide children with books that yeah. just destroyed it in book form. So this is completely devastating. This company has, you know, risen up from nothing to this, and now they've lost everything. Oh. So uh, if you can, I strongly suggest making a donation. Strongly suggest because otherwise you're going to come after them, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming for all of you. <laughs> I mean, set yourself up a GoFundMe account. Donate a dollar. Feel spiritual. Feel like you're helping the universe and carry on with your day. (laughs) Help little kids read books. Right. Because it's important. Because it's the holidays. Correct. Yes. And all children should be literate. True. Yes. Because unfortunately they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Illiterate kids become illiterate adults. And then they get elected to a public office. (laughs) (laughs) We're saving America. That. We're saving that for later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, 
So keeping in the crowdfunding theme, so a Kickstarter that's actually really a Kickstarter. <laughs> um, so uh, back at Wizard World, I spoke with Bill Coulomb, um, who is the creator of Y Comics and Kinetic. And he actually, he reached out earlier this afternoon to kind of give us an update. And he has started a Kickstarter uh, for the collected volume number one of the first eight issues of Kinetic. Okay. Okay. So uh, as of right now, it's a little over $1,500 of the $3,000 goal, but they've got 25 days left to go. Uh, I think the, the cutoff is December 17th, I think it said. In case, you know, you're not listening tonight because then it wouldn't be. Yes, December seventeenth um, is how long you have to uh, to donate to this uh, particular Kickstarter. So if you uh, if you missed that video and you don't know what Kinetic's about, basically it's about this superhero who um, well about this kid who gets superpowers, but he lives in a city that already has like its big superhero. <laughs> but okay. this guy's kind of a jerk, and he's kind of like a he's very much like he'll kind of look the other way to crime that's going on in the bad part of town anyway. Mm. You know? Okay. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so this collected edition will feature revised pages that, you know, it was kind of like things that the creative team saw during the original printing and it's like, you know, eventually I'd like to change that. Which is yeah. cool, you yeah. know? But also, so like, if you're at all interested, but you're not really for sure if this comic is for you. Uh, one thing that they're doing that I think is really cool. If you go to ycomics.net slash Kickstarter, you can get a digital copy of the first issue for free. Awesome. Oh, cool. Take it for a test drive. If you like it, yeah. chip in. Um, but yeah, I've, I actually, I ended up buying the entire series when I was at Wizard World and, um, I'm a little over midway through okay. and it's, it's an, it's a fun story. It's an interesting story, but yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, also we've got a little bit of news from vault. They've announced a new title. It's called finger guns. It's uh, written by Justin Richards with <laughs> and art by Val Halverson. And yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> Actually, when I saw the email come through, I immediately was like, <laughs> uh, basically <laughs> finger guns and I'm reading this description straight from the press release that they sent us because it's, I can't, I wouldn't be able to write a better description. So <laughs> it says, uh, in finger guns, two troubled teenagers discover they can manipulate emotions by firing finger guns. There will be laughs. There will be tears. There will be uncomfortable teen feelings and angst. Oh yeah. And chaos. So much chaos. This, this sounds, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, Vault Editor-in-Chief Adrian Wassell uh, said that Finger Guns is a book about emotional maturity, what it takes to grow up, uh, how few of us actually do, and the importance of harnessing compassion in the age of selfishness. So, yeah, this will come out February of next year. Uh, I'm already excited for it. This sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a fun title, and also it kind of sounds like something that we all need to be reminded of sometimes. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, speaking of Vault, uh, we have a ton of books uh, that they let us review. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to the Necromancer's Map number four that did that was also released uh, yeah. this week. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get to it, but um, it's a it's a fun read with what we've read so far. Mm -hmm. I know we talked about the first issue yep. for sure. Um, but yeah, so go back and check that out. Uh, one that we all did get a chance to read was Cre uh, Cult Classic Creature Feature number two. Um, and so basically what we got out of this next, uh, this issue is that 
Irving Parker, who was one of the kids in the sleepover, you know, he's dead and nobody knows yet. So it just kind of, we, we go about the, uh, the days of, um, I am blanking on his older brother's name. Uh, his, well, his yeah. older brother, it, it mostly centers around him. And then, um, and yeah, and then he gets some really bad news. Um, what did you guys think of this issue? Um, this one felt like the middle novel in a trilogy for me. Like, the first one was BAM, like, super action, right out of the gate. This one felt like a lot of information and not a lot of action. Um, I still really want to see where this goes, um, but I think my excitement is mostly still built up from everything that happened in the first one and not so much what happened in this one. It's just like this one's leading us to where we need to go. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when I was reading this. I was like, and and I don't, I didn't know if it was just kind of like fatigue because like I was doing so much today, especially to get... <laughs> prepared for this including reading a lot of comics and this was one of the last ones that i read so i didn't know if it was just fatigue or if it was just like you know like you're giving me a lot of information but i feel like it's information that i'm gonna need later right. you know so like not to discredit it because you know that's usually it's those types of you know books or issues or episodes you mm -hmm. know in tv format <clears throat> that you're going to go back and bite yourself for not paying closer attention. Right. Yeah. So, what did you think, Matt? I mean, I, I still love the whole overall vibe that we get with this. It's it's very Lovecraftian in the, the, the cosmic darkness that's going on. And still know, like, you know what this creature is, because we've seen it now in both issues. But, like what's it doing? Where's it going? Like, what's the end goal? And that, that alone for me continues to drive me through this. And I want to know, you know, where this finishes, where this keeps going. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was cult classic. And also all these issues that we're talking about, they are all released, uh, were released yesterday. So they're all available for your reading pleasure. Matt, um, you're going to talk about the plot. In the plot number three, we continue to get more information about the Blaine family. When we talked about issue number one, um, Tabitha and I both mentioned that it felt kind of like a little bit of the lock and key where the uncle ends up taking care of the kids. Between issues two and three, you definitely lose some of that vibe. It's no longer about them trying to be a cohesive family unit. Um, it, it's more about this, this dark horror, which is afflicting the Blaine family um, to the point where you have Sheriff Sullivan who wants nothing more than to kick the Blaine family basically out of town. Like that that's really all he wants. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He wants them out of town. So they stop causing trouble. There's definitely something in the house. And that for me is what continues to drive this. Like I want to know what this dark secret is um, for the Blaine family and and why is it coming back to haunt them? The one thing for me is I'm still not a huge fan of the art for this. Um, I, I understand what the art style is going for, but it's just a little not bland, but it, it it's just missing some some detail. I think for some of the things, but again, kind of like cult classic, that dark horror ominous feel to this one. Um, keeps me going and I want to I, I want to know what this deep dark secret is that's hiding in the basement of the Blaine family house also released from vault is relics of youth number three um I really enjoyed this issue <laughs> we didn't we didn't talk about issue two be um for for whatever reason but uh issue so like I'm just want to touch real quick on issue two like 
I didn't see them getting the powers. Like, I didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, that was a surprise. Like, I kind of figured, like, since they all had those matching tattoos that came out of nowhere, I kind of figured something was yeah. going to happen. But, like... Nope, didn't didn't figure that. Out. And when that started happening, I was like, <laughs> I got I got kind of giddy, you know. Yeah. Um, I also like, um, and I know that neither of you have seen Lost, but like, I'm getting a couple of Lost vibes. Yeah, you know, especially like again with issue two, and then we'll move on to issue three. Like the first words, like we have to go back. That was like such a huge thing in like one of the later <laughs> seasons of Lost. And granted, it was like in a different, you know, taking a different tone, but like already mysterious Island. And when you say something like we have to go back, I'm like, Oh, I need to rewatch that show. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, so moving on relics of youth number three, at this point, the main crew that we're following, they're all split up. Um, and by the end of the issue, they do kind of, you know, re, you know, get back together through various means. Uh, one of the things I really like about this series is just like the sheer diversity of it. And I, and I'm not even just talking just in terms of ethnicities and genders and all that kind of stuff. I mean, one of the main protagonists, it has terminal cancer, mm-hmm. Yep. you know, like that, that to me is kind of important, but uh, what do you guys think? Um, usually in comic book form, when there's like a massive cast of characters, I start losing people. And I'm like, but who are you? Where did you come from? And like, if they're not in like a couple issues or even a couple panels because my attention span sucks, I'm like, who, who, like, where did you come from? You don't even go here. Like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) But I don't have this problem with this series, like, at all. Like, I need closure for the end of that last issue. Mm -hmm. The only thing I could have done with that was that weird, like, romance trope they like threw kind yeah. of in the middle of the mix i'm like oh come on but I, I get why they did it but i don't need it and i'm assuming it plays into the plot line later still yeah whatever but like everyone gets screen time i don't forget about anybody that's impressive to me yeah yeah the only thing to me that was i guess a little distracting was when you start suddenly getting and i can't remember her name like the one character you get her like she's the one that like driving them all like she's not you know the one that has the boat but she's the one basically collecting everybody and sending them to this island you start getting her her inner monologue um which i i understand like i understood farther i went in like why it was her that we were getting the inner monologue i'd forgotten that basically Mm -hmm. she was kind of the driving force behind this thing but i still kind of it, it still, every time it popped up in the panels, it kind of pulled me out of whatever else was going on. Um, but aside from that, I just echo what you guys are saying. And I love the fact that, like, we all knew that they, we knew that they had these matching tattoos. I don't know if you guys picked this up, but, like, in the second issue, you get a better look at these tattoos. And you realize that they're similar, but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. So then when the powers all manifested and they got different powers, I'm like, whoa, Different powers, different tattoos, but they're all connected. Like that was kind of a like a light bulb type moment for me. Yeah, I uh, that was one of those things. Like for me, like I didn't immediately pick up on the, the tattoos were similar but different. Mm-hmm. But like later on, like in that issue, I was kind of like, hold on, wait a second. Oh wow, hey, yeah. cool, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, but it's yeah, it's such it's a fun read. Uh, definitely check that out. So the last one that we're going to talk about is Money Shot Number Two. I saved this one for last just in case it gets a little 
Raunchy. Raunchy. Thank you. That's that's actually the word that I was looking for. Uh, which, with a series like this, you, you might. It gets a little raunchy. Uh, yeah, just just a little. So, um, what did what did you guys think of Money Shot? This continues to make me laugh like I'm a 12-year-old boy. Like, I just start <laughs> chuckling the second I start reading it, and then I'm not really done chuckling until I'm done, and I'm making, like, inappropriate jokes in my own head, like, over and over <laughs> and over based on what they're saying. Um, but I'm, like, weirdly invested in these characters for, yeah. like, it being so quirky. Like, I want to see where, like, they go and, like, where this really strange group dynamic takes them. <laughs> like, I want to know where they're going, but, like, at the same time, I don't. <laughs> One of the things that I really liked about it was um, the the flying robot or whatever that you know, like a character be like, "Oh man, f me!" But like it doesn't actually say f. Yeah. And then uh, the and then mini quer- shot. Yeah. Query. Yeah. It's like action action picked up. Should I start recording? And then it's like, oh wait, no, that's not what you want me to be doing. So I'm not going to record. Um, one thing that I like about this, and it doesn't. It doesn't bother me so much, but I know it bothers a lot of people. Like the back and forth between current time and past, you know. Mm-hmm. There, I th- feel like there's a line, and this particular series toes the line of it being too like, like too jarring or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't actually cross that line. I feel like it's a it's a pretty healthy mix. It feels kind of like saga in that regard. Like you have enough plot line and storyline going on that like the the jarring images that you do get and the like humor and like the crudeness is like so woven into the actual story that you don't feel like mm-hmm. uncomfortable by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and because the settings are so vastly different, it's easy to follow when they switch from one to the other. And there yeah. are some series where you do that time jump and the characters, whether, you know, for whatever reason, their outfits haven't changed enough or the setting hasn't changed enough. And it's really hard to tell when that happens. This is not that case, but it is a good balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go ahead and start on some gut reaction. Uh, the first one, Matt, let's talk about Avenue 5. So Avenue 5 is a oh, HBO. I think it's going to be an HBO or an HBO Max uh, series. It's starring Hugh Laurie as the captain of a luxury space cruiser uh josh gad stars as the pretentious offbeat billionaire owner of said space cruiser um it's from the creators of veep it's basically just a sci-fi comedy about what could go wrong will go wrong on a luxury space cruise um the trailer is I forget what the word they used was in the article. It was a raucous and raunchy. And I mean, you've got the staff making fun of and cussing out the, uh, the, the, not the crew, but the, uh, what do you call them? The people that are on the cruise. Mm. Passengers. Passengers. Yeah, that's the word. (laughs) Those people, people that are along for the ride. Um, this looks fun. Um, I, I'm going to go thumbs up. On hoping that this pans out because it looks pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the trailer, but just off of that description alone, um, and especially like getting to see Josh Gad as a pompous, arrogant, whatever, like that sounds amazing to me. So yeah, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, this trailer looks fantastic. <laughs> like I chuckled like, a couple of times just watching this. I love Josh Gad and I love Hugh Laurie. So 
I don't see what could possibly go wrong. And, Thumbs up. I mean, the one, the one moment in the trailer where Josh Gad is coming down the stairs and it's like some maid is like polishing a statue. And he's like, it's like, some might call that menial labor, but I think it's very important. So thank you. And he keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Tabitha, let's go to Lizzie McGuire. So as we've talked about, Ad nauseum because I'm very excited. Um, the new Disney Plus series of Lizzie McGuire, 15 years after the final episodes of the TV show, has now added Adam Lamberg as Lizzie's BFF slash love interest, Gordo, to its growing list of returning cast members. Um, this is the best news for me, basically, ever. Um, Tiny Tabitha had a lot of feelings about Gordo, and based on the <laughs> photos coming from the set of the new Lizzie McGuire, not-so-Tiny Tabitha is also going to have a lot of feelings about Gordo. Um, as soon as this hits Disney+, Plus, I'm calling in to work and just watching it. Um, so, giant thumbs up for all things Lizzie McGuire, all of them. Matt? Um, I have no frame of reference. I have no... You will. I... <laughs> Apparently I will. Um, is that a threat or a promise? Uh, probably both. both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just because I have no frame of reference for Lizzie McGuire, I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Yeah. I'm going to be happy <laughs> that you're happy, Tabitha, so I'll give that a thumbs up. Thank you, Mitch. You're welcome. There is a new pop-up bar in Chicago. So Houndstooth Saloon in uh, Wrigleyville has, transi- has transformed to a bar called Griswold's. It's a Christmas vacation-themed <laughs> pop-up bar. Um Visitors can relax in the Griswold family's living room. Uh, they can spend time in a tiki bar and explore a room that kind of has a uh, attic feel to it. Uh, they also have um, themed beverages, food specials, uh, and also a TV dinner, including a turkey leg and Aunt Bethany's Jello. <laughs> so, also on the weekends, uh, bar goers can take pictures with an RV that kind of looks like uh, cousin, Ezzy, cousin Eddie's RV. So, giving this a huge thumbs up. Christmas Vacation is one of those movies that I try to watch every year. And um, I'm going to actually be in Chicago in early December. I'm going to I'm gonna try to make it to this. So, yes, definite thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, huge thumbs up. I also, lo- I, I live for that movie at the holiday time. So, I want to go to this, but I also feel like it's going to be one of those things that's like super hard to get into and make me super anxious. So. <laughs> but thumbs up for the idea. Matt. Um, I'm also going to thumbs up on the idea. It's been forever since I've seen this movie, so I probably need to watch it again. Um, but just, you know, the RV outside, bonus, so thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Okay, so we've discussed this a thousand times, but Amazon has put a tremendous amount of money, time, and research into this new Lord of the Rings series, and we now that they've we now know that they've put in enough work and money to be optioned for a second season... Um, they haven't even begun production for the first season, and we're already getting a second season. This is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be completely epic, or Amazon has put the cart before the horse, and this is going to be a giant flop with a huge price tag. There's really no other option. Um, they also have announced that production will go on a four to five month hiatus after the first two episodes have been shot, giving the writing staff time to map out the second season and reevaluate the first two episodes. But... Keep all that in mind, Amazon is aiming for a 2021 debut for season one, but we already have a season two scheduled, and they've already said that there could be multiple other seasons. So I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I'm proud of Amazon for having this much faith in a product that hasn't even come out yet, but (laughs) 
I just, I feel like that's a huge risk for them. Matt. I'm also going to go thumb sideways. The idea that you have a target date for the release of season one. I mean, you know, way to go for having faith in the product that you're going to do a season two already. But you have a scheduled hiatus already and a and a, and a set date on when you want this to air. And you're going to reevaluate the first two episodes after, like, they're shot and then plan? Maybe you should just do that from the beginning? Like, and I know that we talked about with, like, The Witcher and the showrunner having an idea for where all seven seasons that she wants to do are going to go. That may be a little, you know, little put, put the cart before the horse. But this is almost worse than that. Like, I don't know. I Thumb sideways. Yeah. One of the things, because um, this was actually, I had planned on using this story, and then you beat me to it. So sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that I had read, like, and there was maybe like speculation that part of the reason why they gave this such an early renewal was because they figured that if they if the writers and the showrunners and everything like already know that there's a season two happening, then they won't have to have that break to plan out season two. But they're already having that break to plan out season two. So then what's the point? Um, I agree with you. Like, I feel like I feel like with, you know, with Amazon, with Lord of the Rings, like there's not a chance well uh, there's a very small chance that this is going to flop but i think that this is a like a um i don't want to say dangerous move but i'm going to because i can't think of the word i want to use um i feel like this is a dangerous move to um to do a renewal a year plus before the first episode even airs just because yeah what if it does flop Mm -hmm. tremendously so i'm gonna have to give this a thumbs side you know what i'm giving this a thumbs down so here's a question though like, we're talking about how far out this even is. You know what this feels like to me? This feels like the DCEU. A little bit. And their gigantic amount of planning that, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Oh, wait a minute, we're going to backtrack and we're not going to do that. We're going to, like, like D- DCEU, you, you have one of two options. It's either going to be amazing or it's going to bomb. And I feel like that's where this is going. Yeah. Same same kind of feel. Now, Matt, I don't know if you were looking at my show order, no. but that's a perfect segue to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier uh, over the weekend, you saw a lot of people, including Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, um, Zack Snyder himself, tweeting out hashtag release the Snyder Cut to um, release for calling on Warner Brothers to release a director's cut of Justice League. Uh that for right now at least seems to be in vain because um, Warner Brothers has no plans as of right now to release a uh, director's cut of that movie. You know, I'm going to have to give this a thumbs up. Uh, For me, I've never really been the type to watch director's cuts of anything because in my opinion, even though it's the same movie only longer, that movie is not canon. Because that's not what was officially released. So therefore, whatever extra stuff didn't actually happen. Am I completely opposed to a director's cut of anything? Not necessarily, but it's just like, nah, what's the point? So, thumbs up for, I guess, Warner Brothers not doing it? Or whatever. Tabitha. I'm going to go thumb sideways. Because I typically like the director's cuts of things. Because the director's cut to me is the stuff that the director wanted to put in. But the studio didn't want it in there. 
And mm. you hire the director for a reason. You give this director this job for a reason. And then you take their cut that they make and then you make additional cuts to it. Like, why not just give us what their vision was? And I agree with you that I don't think it's canon because it's not what everyone saw. But I like to see the scenes the director thought were important enough to release a cut of it and not just leave it on the cutting room floor versus, you know, not getting that at all. Fair. Bet. I think I'm going to go thumbs up on this based solely on the fact that there was such a shift during the production of this movie when, was it James Gunn? Joss Snyder. Joss no, Snyder. No, Joss, 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 Whedon. Whedon, Joss Whedon came in and took over. and <laughs> That director, Josh Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'm leaving that in. Just so that you all know just how dumb we can be sometimes. Uh, so because of the change in directors, um, initially I was like, no, we should go with the cut that um, Whedon has that's the final product because, you know, he made some changes to it, blah, blah, blah. But as we've gotten farther out, farther out from Justice League, I would like to see the vision that Snyder had for this product. So that you can compare and contrast. Because I feel like there's going to be a fairly significant difference in the two. So yeah. if we could get it, I'm going to go thumbs up. Cool. Um, Matt, let's talk about uh, Ford and how they're changing up the Mustang. So electronic cars are a thing, right? Um, Ford has electronic cars. They are going to kind of up the game here. They are going to be releasing the Mustang Mach-E crossover SUV. Yes. A Mustang SUV electronic version. There is going to be a GT performance model that has an estimated 459 horsepower. It's going to have two electric motors. Estimated 0 to 60 in 3.5, which is as fast as a Porsche. Base model of 45,000. Performance model of 60,000. So right in line with Tesla. It's expected range of 300 miles, standard range of 239 miles. The biggest thing about this is that they're branding this crossover SUV with the Mustang name and the pony just because it's like performance, like it's supposed to be fast. I have a real good friend and college roommate that is a Mustang enthusiast. So I, po- I asked, I shared this to him and I'm like, I want your take on this. And I said I was going to use his comments here in, in the show, but he says, basically, it is pandering at its lowest level. It's akin to the new Ghostbusters movie. You have a good product that could stand on its own, but instead, you try to coattail it by attaching the new thing to something old and cool. So people end up hating it. It is laziness at its core. So he's not a fan of them using the Mustang. If you want to do this, all for it. Using the Mustang tag on something like this, I I don't know. I'm going to go thumb sideways on the whole thing kind of in general. Um, I guess kind of thumbs down on the Mustang name, thumbs up on a new, you know, electronic crossover from Ford. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways just for the simple fact that I don't care what name you put on. I'm never going to be able to afford it anyway. So <laughs> I don't really care. Tabitha. I mean, I guess the way I look at this is the Mustang is really the only thing Ford has had for the last 20 years. That's like, ooh, I got a cool car. <laughs> who says I got a cool car? And then they start it with Ford. Unless it's followed by Mustang. True. You got a Ford what? 
Yeah, Check Ford. Out, <laughs> check out my bitch in Ford Fiesta. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one says that. This isn't Alabama. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thumbs down just to, sorry to your friend, but Ford products in general because they're trash. <laughs> so, um, wow. I have a lot of feelings about cars. And I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's a product of where I was raised, and it's just like ingrained in my DNA, but I don't really care, but I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, earlier this week, um, Hollywood Reporter uh, put out basically that there are, there is a Joker sequel in the works really early on. Um, then uh, Todd Phillips, who was the director, uh, was kind of like, uh, hold up. <laughs> So he had said that um, he spoke with IndieWire, basically saying that the meeting that Hollywood Reporter said took place didn't actually take place. Oh. Basically, he just said, you know, that he said, first of all, if you know me and my career, that's not my style. Going on to say how he made a huge comedy with The Hangover, but then didn't suddenly become a comedy, you know, like that wasn't the only thing he did. Uh, kind of went on to say that, like, it could be a thing, but like it's way, way too early on. Um, I'm going to give his reaction to that a thumbs up. Um, I know we haven't really talked about Joker. I don't even know if you guys have even seen the movie yet. No. Okay. <clears throat> For me, I feel like Joker doesn't need a sequel. Okay. Um, and it, that's not spoilery at all for you, but but yeah, I feel like I feel like with it being making the billion dollars that it's made so far will i be surprised if we see a sequel no not really but i don't think that it needs one i am okay with it being the self-contained story that it is so yeah Tabitha. i guess the way i look at it is just because it's made a bunch of money doesn't necessarily mean it needs a sequel and kudos to the director for recognizing that so thumbs up yeah. matt yeah basically the same thing I, I thumbs up to him because once a movie makes a ton of money People automatically assume that a sequel is going to happen and it's absolutely necessary for it to happen. Unless it's Titanic. <laughs> I mean, that just ran aground. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, man. What? <laughs> I feel like you've kind of killed this. <laughs> That's all I just keep like... thinking about when we're talking about sequels. It's Titanic 2. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you're leaving. So that, yeah. right? <laughs> well, thumbs I, up. Thumbs I, oh, I thought I, thought I said thumbs up. Sorry, oh, okay. I thought I covered that already. <laughs> you were too busy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Falling off the boat. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they both could have fit on the door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Paramount is uh, in final talks with Noah Hawley to write and the direct and direct the next Star Trek film. This is going to be separate from the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie that's supposedly happening. Um, he's going to uh, Noah's going to produce along with J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot. Um, it's going to be the fourth film in this um, in the Kelvin universe. Uh, so it's if if you don't know who that is, he's um, done. Legion, and then has also served as the executive producer, writer, director, and showrunner on FX's uh, Fargo. 
So okay. I've not seen either Legion or Fargo, so I can't really speak for his talent or whatever. But uh, more Star Trek is always a welcome thing for me, so thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't have any frame of reference for this person, but more Star, more Star Trek... The more Star Trek, the more better is what I was going to say, but that's... <laughs> you guys know what I mean. Thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Um, I enjoy all of these quote-unquote reboots of the Star Trek universe because it's not really a reboot. It's a... I don't know. Because it's on a different timeline. So it's different but interesting, but continuation. I don't know. All of these have been good. I've enjoyed them. If we can get more of these, absolutely thumbs up. Tabitha, uh, let's talk about a new Stephen King pop. Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I am living for the fact that Funko has been making pops of, like, quote-unquote ordinary people. So, like, not just the people and characters in movies and books, but the people behind them. And now they're making a pop of Stephen King. Um, There's going to be two versions. Um, The first one is going to be him in his standard black shirt, gray pants, holding the book. And then the Barnes & Noble exclusive edition, he is not only covered in blood like Carrie, uh, but he is holding an axe, like Shining Mm. Style. These are fantastic. Like, I want them both for (laughs) no reason. Like, when the George R. R. Martin one came out, I was like, I'm going to make a voodoo doll out of it. But this one, I just just want it because it's wonderful. So, like I said, thumbs up for Funko, like, making quote-unquote ordinary people these, like, iconic figures. Matt. Yeah, I've loved some of these, like Tabitha said, iconic figures um, of the Funko Pops. I want, there's an Edgar Allan Poe one, um, which I need. Um, I have an Alfred Hitchcock one, uh, which is kind of a, it's a black and white version. I think those are fantastic. Stephen King is iconic, so it's only right that he should get one as well. So thumbs up. Yeah, Um, yeah, definite thumbs up. I don't dislike Stephen King. I'm just not a Stephen King fan. But I need that Barnes & Noble exclusive in my life. (laughs) That has got to be a thing. Um, Matt, uh, let's get a checking account from Google. But why? Uh, They already own enough of our data. As early as next year, uh, Google is going to be offering checking accounts through their Google Pay app. They are partnering with Citigroup and a small Stanford University credit union. The... Accounts will be branded as coming from those banks who will also handle the quote-unquote financial back-end and regulatory compliance for these accounts, but they're going to be linked through the Google Pay app. Obviously, the concern, like with the purchase of Fitbit a little, you know, a couple of weeks ago, everybody's concerned with Google having your checking account just means more information they're going to have about you. Valuable data about consumer spending, how much you earn, all that kind of stuff. And of course, Google has already come back and said, well, we're not going to use any of that information to target ads. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things like at what point is the amount of information? I mean, it's the Internet, so they pretty much have everything already. But do they need even more information about us? I don't think so. And I also think some of these companies should just leave banking to the banks so thumbs down yeah agreed even though google already knows just how broke i am they don't really (laughs) need to know really how broke i am um (laughs) yeah and you're absolutely right like you know and that's it's one of those things like i 
I'm kind of one of those old fogies. I like to actually still go to the bank if I need to. I like having a physical building of the bank if I need it <laughs> in the same city limits that I'm in. So uh, <laughs> I don't want a you know imaginary Google bank. So thumbs down, Tabitha. Other than the fact that I feel like this might put my job in jeopardy, I am all for this being the way, the future of banking. Like I. I love the idea of no brick and mortar banks. I love the idea of it being all online. I love it. Like, I, I feel like that's where it's going. Like, I've worked in banking for almost seven, six, seven, some odd number of years. I don't remember. It's a black hole. Um, but, <laughs> but we have seen, like, a serious, like, trend in, like, people going toward online banking and, like, a downshift in people actually using their the retail branches. This is where it's going. It really is. In 20 years, there will be no banks. I mean, to be fair, um, like 95% of money is, it's it's ones and zeros anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're handling cash, you know, the, the money that goes into your checking account that you spend on your debit card at Target, it, it's all just ones and zeros transferred electronically mm-hmm. anyway. So, I kind of get that. Yeah. Yep. So... All right, so we've got time for one more story. Uh, do we want to talk about the cost of Sonic's facelift? Um, do we want to talk about the Impossible Whopper not being so impossible? <laughs> or do we want to talk about what I've dubbed Cow Island? <laughs> I think definitely Cow Island. Okay. Cow Island? Okay, guys, there's like a Swiss Family Robinson Swiss cheese reference in here somewhere. <laughs> I've been trying to find it literally all day. I was thinking about it for like hours. The Swiss cheese family Robinson? Yeah, but like but like making it about the cows because they're the real heroes of this story. I just couldn't make it work. Anyway, there's a reference there somewhere. I can't find it. Um, so after Hurricane Dorian, three cows have taken up on a remote island about five miles from their home because guys, cows can evidently swim. <laughs> and that for me like... I made it a point. I didn't get a chance to read every story for this week. I made it a point to read this story. And that was one of the surprising facts for me. I was like, huh, how about that? Like, my notes literally say they period, swam period, their period. That's fine. Totally cool. Cows can swim. (laughs) I had no idea. So the cows were originally on land in North Carolina and are now just living their best lives on an island just offshore called Cedar Island. And they're freaking terrified and they keep running from photographers and stuff, but they need to get them off this island because they cannot thrive there because there's there's only so much a cow can eat. And there's only three, I mean, they're all female, they will die, like they'll die off, like this is not how, you know, society starts. So the cows are going to be rescued, but since they're totally effing confused about where they are, what's happened to them, they're going to have to be humanely sedated before they're transported off this island. So these cows are going to wake up back in their pasture. I don't even know where I live. And be like, was it all a dream? Like, this is how lost, this is like lost with cows. Like, that's all I kept thinking about. (laughs) These cows are probably like, they like they swam and they feel like they're probably on like you know a completely they're different on vacation. continent, right? And they're like, woo! Then they're gonna wake up back home, like, oh, like. I feel like it's the way it is when a fly gets in your car and you travel a distance, and then the fly gets out when you get where you're going. The fly's like, I don't even know where I live anymore. 
I'm never going to get back home to my wife and kids. <laughs> I think about that all the time when there's a praying mantis on my car, and I usually will get out and take it off my car and put it on the ground because I don't want it to lose its praying mantis family. Um, I mean, he's just going to get his ho- go home and get his head bitten off, so. Literally. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he's a dude, that's his fault. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just saying. But yeah. Cows. Island of cows. I mean, there are the, that, there's that island of pigs in the, not to be confused with the Bay of Pigs, um, <laughs> in, um, like, Jamaica or whatever, but this is just an island with just three cows chilling on it. I feel like there's a fair enough joke there, too. Yeah, there yeah. is. Like, there's a lot of jokes, I just couldn't make them, any of them come to fruition. Like, I just couldn't get there. You, you couldn't get any of the jokes to just move right along? No. <laughs> I could not. I really wanted to find that Swiss Family Robinson joke, and I just couldn't make it work. <laughs> I tried about 13 different things, and none of them made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Swiss Family. Yeah. 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 But that's all I, all I keep thinking about is cheese, because cows, <laughs> and they're dairy cows, and I'm just like, but they're, like, stranded on a desert island, like, basically. I just couldn't make the, it work. The best, the best that I've got is Swiss Family Moobinson, but that doesn't really... <laughs> I mean, and for these cows, it probably feels like a deserted island. Right. Like... Can you imagine, like, you're, like, can you imagine just being a human and, like, you swam away from a hurricane and you're like, well, shit, I guess I live here now. <laughs> and these are cows. And they're like, oh, well, <laughs> here we are, guys. And, like, the three of them wound up at the same place. After swimming through a hurricane, it's just incredible. They they totally <laughs> planned this. Cows? They totally planned this. Is it an escape attempt? Like uh, we're doing it tonight, Bessie. <laughs> the great escape for cow version. I'd watch that actually. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> So, um, that is all the time we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, but in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, where we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek, o- the Geek Awakens? <laughs> the Geek Awakens. There you go. <laughs> I need to just, like, not talk for 24 hours and just, like, reboot myself. Good luck. <laughs> Have you tried turning it off in that <laughs> Yeah, that's actually <laughs> um, Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be back soon. Uh, <laughs> everybody say happy Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.